0: everyone, welcome to Hit The Apex Podcast. It's Jawad here as always and is it appropriate to say Happy New Year when you're three months into the year? Well anyway, Happy New Year to everyone. Welcome to a new uh, season of racing. Formula One is back this weekend with the Bahrain Grand Prix Um, and yeah, let's hope this one actually, this recording actually makes it out there unlike the last one. I think I had a bit of a um, Aston Martin moment in, F uh, in, in the, on the first day of testing, bringing out the red flag, the audio must have been corrupted or something, so apologies for anyone who, uh, heard my intro and then nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, apologies for that, so I had to record the whole thing again. Um, lucky most of it was ad-lib, so I, you know, vaguely remember what we were talking about, but um, without further ado, I mean, we would have had FP, uh, FP1 FP and FP2 is already run. It wasn't really a show about, uh, you know, a preview for the weekend as much as it was kind of reintroducing myself, um, what is it that I do, what this podcast is about, uh, and also just kind of Sharing some thoughts on um, some of the big stories that happened over the offseason as well, like yeah, uh, the new teams thing with Andretti, Cadillac, you've got Ford coming in with Red Bull, the um, big merry-go-round with the team principals as well towards the end of last year. So. Um, just a chance to, you know, share some thoughts on that, I have written pieces about them as well, so you can go check them out on theraw.com.au, um, back for another season of live blogging with them as well, so that will be great, but, yeah, hope everyone had a good winter-summer break, um, you know, whatever you did, uh, wherever you are in the world, um, certainly it was nice having a bit of a rest, uh, or trying to rest anyway. Um, yeah, you know, end of end of last year was, was a bit tough, um, or last year itself was quite tough personally, and you know, start, having started a new job as well, it's certainly taken its time to settle in and everything, but things are going pretty well, um, so yeah um went to the Bathurst 12 hour as well uh first time in a few years of course 2020 was the last one that um I did I was able to take my partner with me as well which was really lovely our first um racing event that we've gone to together and I think one of the best things was um sitting up uh for the start of the race there at um skyline or just underneath the skyline and watching the the sunrise over the mountain you know not not to get all corny on you guys but it's definitely a beautiful um sight to to have seen together because it's yeah definitely one of my favorite places in the world favorite race tracks as well I mean I haven't been to the likes of uh Nürburgring or Spa uh, Silverstone any of those tracks before but you know Mount Panorama is definitely given me a high benchmark when it comes to amazing tracks for vantage points and just you know overall the experience there too. Plus meeting nine-time MotoGP world champion Valentino Rossi that's got to be pretty good as well. Um, Certainly that was one of the highlights as well over the weekend and uh, like if you follow me on Instagram you would have seen some of the pictures and some of the crazier things that kind of unfolded that weekend, like um, my partner wanting to get a photo g- photograph of our dog um, signed by Valentino himself. And we were successful, which was great. His reaction was amazing. So here's Valentino, who's done, you know, how many thousands of autographs over the weekend. You've got his security around him as well. Um and you know when you when you're in that rhythm doing it you kind of just like yep 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 and then we're like oh can you sign this to Lulu please and he's just like Lulu and then has this massive grin on his face and we we, we took pictures of the whole thing and it's just become our thing now um and we love it so totally random you know Lulu we've had her for since. December so just before Christmas as you know I think my last podcast you might have heard her barking rescue um, toy poodle that we got as four years old she's been through quite a bit which we're still figuring out you know how to go about it and everything and you know help her settle in and everything but I think she's loving loving being in a loving home and everything but yeah there's still other things to figure out but yeah it was just a it was just a picture of her sitting I think um sitting on my belly on on the couch and there was no nothing to do with Rossi in that picture at all so it is definitely a special thing that um we were able to do that so yeah um talk about introductions and what this show is all about so I've been following Formula One for probably 15 years now it was something that um, started later on in high school for me, um, where, yeah, I loved cars, I loved the idea of racing cars and the technology around Formula One and everything, um, at the time, you know, Jensen Button was my favourite driver, uh, Lewis Hamilton was up there too when he was at McLaren, and then those two teaming up for a few years as well, um, was certainly great and fun to watch, um, and then when I wanted to turn my love of writing and whatnot and, and the media to a career kind of thing. I started writing about Formula One. This probably started um, just over 10 years ago, so um, this is actually going to be my 10th season live blogging uh Formula One for, for the Raw, so that's, that's, you know, a long, long time when you think about it, um, doing it for them, but they've, they've been great, you know, to facilitate it for me, and, um, to allow me the opportunities to go to the Australian Grand Prix as well and represent them, it's, it's, you know, I couldn't ask for much more, and, you know, as time's gone on and, you know, priorities has cha- priorities have changed and everything and, you know, the sport itself has gone through so many changes, um, I'm kind of happier to sit back and do it the way that I have been, you know, involved, kind of just, you know, do some articles, do some live blogs, I'm not really trying to pursue anything out of it anymore anymore um similarly with with the podcast as well there is a plethora of content out there and good on everyone who's who's out there doing something um this show probably at the beginning was designed or we were trying to when I'm certainly doing it collaboratively we're trying to you know get out there and and get you know thousands of listeners on board and and make it something but you know that didn't quite happen and uh, it has taken various guises over the years, the, the show, and then once I kind of um, decided, I, I was left with a decision, you know, whether I continue doing this on my own or, or stop, I said, you know what, let's let's keep going and, and kind of turn it into more of a casual chat between myself and the audience. It's a, it's a good way for me to um, kind of debrief and, you know, debunk things going on, not that, you know, it's all about my personal life kind of thing, but, um, you know, just my views on, on Formula One and the current racing climate, I talk about Viet Supercars as well, the Supercars Championship, the the boorish dinosaurs that they are, um, I still enjoy very much watching them and, and anything else, you know, MotoGP and occasionally I'll bring in my other sports that I'm keen on, you know, cricket sometimes, bit of NBA and, and rugby league as well, um, so yeah, it's, it's just turned into it, that kind of an informal chat and sharing of an opinion and, you know, whether you listen to the show or not, if you do, that's great, I really appreciate it, you know, I'm here to start a conversation if, if need be, um, you know if not that's that's fine because there's heaps of other shows out there as well that you could very much listen to and get your information from um but yeah you know priorities change like i said i quit my old job last year which i was in for almost 8 years um you know i'm in a similar industry or similar field um you know i kind of when i was in the wilderness after uni finished employment wise um, cause yeah, you know, like a media and arts degree doesn't really give you much <laughs> in terms of a career. Um, you know, I, I started volunteering for a, um, secondhand charity store, um, that turned into employment and then turned into, you know, seven years of, you know, learning lots about myself, learning lots about the world, uh, you know, lots of challenges as well. Um, retail skills, people, people skills, and whatnot. You know, learning how to be an ear for people who need need help in times of need and whatnot. Um, learning more about mental health as well, and that's something that over the last two years in particular, or three years now, um, going back to twenty twenty and whatnot, has been more important for me than ever. Um, last year, sadly, uh, my partner's dad passed away uh which was a sudden thing so you know the fact that um we had to go through all that um being there on the day in the in the hospital as well it's it's a thing that's going to stick with me for forever basically and for her and her family as well um and you know there it's like okay you know how do we take care better care of ourselves you know and it's it's not all about being the alpha and um oh you know she'll be right like while that's a good little mentality to have at times you know when when it comes to your health and your mental health certainly you've got to learn how to um just say no and and to stop as well and i think that kind of made uh, you know help me make my decision when it came to I need to pursue um, something else or you know I need to do something that's going to better me career-wise and job-wise so I jumped across to another charity there was an amazing opportunity to run their online store so um, you know an e-commerce platform which had a lot of marketing uh, involved in it too so doing a lot of Instagram and whatnot and and research, so basically giving up, you know, a, a being on a shop floor and in a warehouse kind of role for being in an office, not something that I thought I would do, but it is kind of an office studio because there's photography involved as well and, and whatnot and I've been really enjoying it and, you know, one of the best parts of my job too is I get to sit and research Lewis Hamilton and what he's wearing you know for for example so to bring my two passions together in a way I would love to do like a Lewis Hamilton style guide with second hand items as a a post or some kind of marketing thing ahead of the Australian Grand Prix this year so that will be quite interesting I've got to talk to my marketing coordinator about that for sure Um, but you know just something like that would be would be really good and you know over the years being in this kind of industry about with with secondhand um, fashion and accessories it has kind of broadened my um, understanding of uh, sustainability and ethical production and, and also yeah you know where the fashion world is in that instance so it's not like you know or oh, you know you just like expensive clothes it's not about that at all the reason i work in secondhand is so i can get Um, those designer things if I want them for a lot less and you know I've certainly gotten myself a bargain over the years so yeah you know with that and also Formula One the direction that they're going in in terms of being more sustainable and um, you know carbon neutral and whatnot like the ethical stuff is is another story which we'll get to shortly but you know in terms of sustainability it's really good that um, I can kind of combine those two passions together I finally got my driver's license as well over the off-season and that was a rigorous process as well um, without going into too many details but they really really made it difficult for um, me someone who i'm not going to say that i have a disability because it is not a disability i um injured myself when i was like one and a half years old or two years old Uh, and sustained a brain injury which seriously affected the development of the left side of my body in particular my arm Um, so yeah I spent quite a bit of my childhood getting corrective surgery in and out of hospital um, just to make my arm and my hand function as best as it could and while it's not gonna be perfect um, or ever the same as how I feel in my right hand, um, I've kind of just made do and whatnot. And because you know, to drive a car, you technically need two hands on the wheel or whatever, and that's probably not the easiest for me at all the time. Um, yeah, the uh, Vic Roads, the administration um, here in Victoria and in Melbourne for uh, driving and whatnot kind of made it really hard. So, jumping through many. Loopholes and whatnot to to get not loopholes but hurdles. I didn't I didn't jump through any (laughs) loopholes, mind you. I did it all properly, and that's the thing. You know, I wasn't trying to cheat or do it the easy way. Very much did it the hard way, and um, I feel really accomplished that I was able to do that. So all these things, you know, um, making positive changes in my life. You know, I'm I'm getting to the 30 years old now. um, Next year. I didn't want to be stuck where I was previously so yeah and part of the podcast and part of recording why I still want to do it is um, just a good way for me to articulate myself and you know engage myself with the the listeners I have the few of you who come back year after year that you know Sometimes, uh, life and what's going on outside of motorsport is more important, and it's okay to um have to take a weekend off, or you know, not be as obsessive as some people that you see on social media, or get caught up in those arguments and whatnot. That um, particularly after like Abu Dhabi twenty twenty one, that did a number on many people, for example, and a lot of people jumped off Twitter or didn't want to be on that at all um and you still see glimpses of that here and there so it's it's just not worth it in my eyes you know once upon a time maybe I would have been when I was you know young and still young um but when I was more angrier and um you know constantly jumping on you know whether it was Facebook or, or Twitter to air my um air my angst and all that you know it's just not necessary to to be honest so you know. If I have a problem, you know, if I'm not a fan of something, I do it in a, you know, like, constructive and in a way that's more articulate on this sort of platform or through my writing rather than just having a, you know, a incoherent spiel. Because, you know, I do rant sometimes, but it is sort of coherent <laughs> and without, you know, dropping um, many F-bombs and, and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah so that's, that's, that's that, that's kind of the intro part, um, I also, so the raw, you know, raw.com.au, check them out, that's where you'll find my writing, I've also been guesting on the F1 Grid Talk podcast as well, so, um, they've been great to kind of, um, just rejuvenate my enthusiasm for the podcasting thing, I think, you know, true COVID, it got to a stage where I just I almost wanted to stop and then you know to jump on their show I was invited by um Jared to jump on and you know do some guest appearances in 2021 and um you know the rest is history I've really enjoyed it and um enjoy um, being on the show with all the different hosts and whatnot that they've got, they're such lovely people and such supportive people as well, um, I'm looking forward to another another year with them, so yeah, you know, check them out too, they've, they've been really good, but otherwise, what else, what else, so, you know, Red Bull in it for another year, you gotta say, for the championship, and Max Verstappen as well, um, it's going to be From what we've seen in testing, certainly Ferrari seem like the second best team, but are they really, are they really there, you know, are they going to be able to win races and, you know, under the leadership of Fred Vassure as well? Mercedes didn't seem too happy coming out of testing either, Um, Hamilton saying, you know, not quite where we want to be and we have a mountain to climb, Um, it's quite interesting too when you look technically as well that Mercedes have decided to stick with that zero side pod concept, even though they've kind of, you know, made them a little bit wider, probably like the um, 0.5 side pods now instead of zero side pods. Ferrari have their own direction that they're going in, of course, so the top three teams really um, taking their own uh, parts when it comes to the design and whatnot, and then pretty much the rest of the field are trying to copy Red Bull because they're the team to beat. Um, And really interesting to see uh, how quick Aston Martin have been as well, and you know if you look at my um, you know what a good year looks like for each team in 2023 Um, I did some predictions in terms of the Constructors' Championship that, you know, this is probably the highest that they could finish or whatever, and I did put Aston Martin down in eighth. I'm like, yeah, they're not going to really make as many inroads or whatever, but um, I was quite wrong. You know, Dan Fallows there now as the technical chief has designed this car, obviously coming from Red Bull, um, and very much knows the ways of Adrian Newey. So, you know, I think he's probably come up with a rocket ship. So we'll, we'll see if uh, Fernando Alonso can actually uh, get on the podium or let alone win a race this season. That would be quite something. Uh, McLaren had a difficult one, as we saw, difficult to start overall. And, um, you know, it's like uh, Lando Norris kind of summed it up when he said that, you know, for a... Um, if you want to be a top team, then you need to be able to start the season with a car that has those upgrades that they're getting in Baku, by the sounds of it, yeah, it's in, in Baku, so a couple of races in with, um, and essentially at the end of next month, so it's crazy that, again, they've started the season on the back foot, um, new team principal, of course, which was good to see that um they've decided to promote from within and bring Andrea Stella up um who you know if we wind back the years he was Fernando Alonso's engineer at Ferrari and then came over to McLaren in 2015 and kind of worked his way up the ranks and then when Zach Brown restructured the uh, management kind of group or whatever um under Andrea Seidel the team principal you had Stella is the racing director and of course James Key is the technical director who conspicuously has been um absent during the whole pre-season and the launch of the car and everything as well so you know there's probably questions being asked behind the scenes by you know the critics and all that all that about James Key whether you know he's kind of you know delivered them a bit of a dud um question about his uh you know skills and everything you know he was supposed to be this really renowned designer and everything and when he was at Toro Rosso and yeah you know coming to a bigger team like McLaren you know there's there's pressure to of course you know design a a great car and that's really not happened and I kind of the elephant in the room is so what happened to Andreas Seidel (laughs) so with Vassua going off to Ferrari after they sacked Bonotto um, Seidel kind of got swept up by the Sauber group, Alfa Romeo Sauber, to become their CEO, and this is very much a move that has the um, uh, 2026 takeover by Audi in mind, so Seidel was team principal for Porsche back in their last stint in the WEC in LMP1, you know, congratulations, it's exciting to see Porsche back in um, the hypercar class this season, in WEC and in IMSA as well, but he would have still had, you know, contacts and people who um, admired what he did in the Volkswagen Audi um, management. So for him to get that call up is really exciting and, you know, makes me wonder as well, you know, are Audi going to be the team to watch in 2026? You know, the Sauber Group, is there a possibility that Lando Norris is frustrated with where McLaren at if they don't make that, um, you know predicted jump into the top you know kind of the the top team battle next year when when they get their new wind tunnel um infrastructure online through this year um will he be on the market and like you know that's without the question that he'll be on the market but will Audi be a team that will want him and certainly that relationship with Seidel could um see that facilitated um at the moment for Alfa Romeo who's um deal with Sauber, of course, finishes at the end of this year, so what they're going to be called next year, we don't know yet, they'll just probably go back to being Sauber, to be honest, but um, they've given the role of team representative, so not really team principal, but team representative who Kind of is there at the track and does the day-to-day stuff, to Alessandro Bravi, who was the managing director there at Salba. Of course, they've still got the likes of Bayat Zender and Jan Moncho there too, so Bayat Zender's been there since the dawn of time, essentially, and doesn't look like he ever ages either, so good on you, mate. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Williams as well, which saw um, a very shock move for... Um, Mercedes chief strategist, James Vowles, Valtteri, it's James. Um, he was kind of the shock announcement in this silly season, not that all the other items were not shocking enough, but for him to uh, leave his home of Mercedes and leave the role of being the chief strategist to take up the team principal role at Williams, of course, after the departure of um, CEO and team principal Jost Capito and his technical director in FX de Maison. They left at the end of the last season, of course, and they finished last in the Constructors' Championship. So for Vals, I think, you know, this is great to see, you know, him wanting to step up and make a, um, uh, you know, go to a team lower down on the grid, see if he can kind of change the culture there. You know, he's worked under one of the best team principals on the grid in Toto Wolf as well. Um, and you know Williams are a team in need of overhauling their culture and you know given that the culture that Mercedes have with Toto Wolff is probably one of the best on the grid I know people who've seen the new Drive to Survive um, series and uh, seen the episode of the argument that they had in Canada with all the team principals probably would disagree but you know I still think Toto is one of the best operators out there and you know hopefully there's less of a, you know, Paddy Lowe style um, stint at Williams that, you know, saw him kind of come there, become a shareholder, then design a dog of a car, and then uh, just disappear into the ether, um, hopefully Vals can get his, uh, sink his teeth into it, and really turn around the fortunes of this team, so, you know, yeah, Williams have kind of been in the, in the doghouse for a while now, they got the bailout from Doralton Capital, um, so you know they're not, you know, short of a dollar now. But it's ultimately about you know just changing the fortunes of the team and the um, team culture, if it is that needs changing, to translate over to designing a faster car. You know they've got great driver in Alex Albon, and again, you know, while I think they'll finish last in the championship, we'll see some standout performances from him, Logan Sargent, the rookie as well, will be interesting to see how he goes, um, will he just take over the, uh, Nicholas Latifi monitor of, moniker of finishing last in every session, probably, um, but hopefully he doesn't cause too many red flags, I think I've, uh, predicted that Yuki Tsunoda will be the one to do that this year, so yeah, that kind of covers off the the team principal merry-go-round. Then we had lots of um, you know controversy and um, toing and froing between the FIA, F1, FOM. You know all those groups. Of course, um, Mario not Mario, Michael Andretti. <laughs> sorry, Mario, uh, nineteen seventy eight world champion Mario Andretti. Um, his son Michael Andretti has of course been making a lot of noise uh, since twenty twenty one without wanting to. Come into F1, and um, because you know F1, Stefano Domenicali, they were rather proud of themselves that they got Audi to commit to the 2026 engine regulations and to take over the Sauber team. Um, FIA president Mohammed Ben Sulaim kind of like, oh well, you know, now I want to bring in a new team or like be credited for something like that. So takes to Twitter early in January and um, saying that he's asked his FIA team to look at launching expressions of interest um, for prospective new teams for the F1 World Championship Um, and this was effectively opening the door for someone like an Andretti, it's like okay well you know now I'm gonna uh, allow this to happen, now it's up to you to you know Come in and, you know, do what you need to, so Andretti partnering up with General Motors, which, you know, General Motors is one of the biggest, you know, automotive brands in the world, they're going to use the Cadillac arm to brand, you know, probably a Renault engine or something like that in the beginning, um, but that's huge that they, those two want to get into bed and come into F1. Um, overall, I'm not against Andretti wanting to be in F1, I think it will be good to have, you know, someone that's not necessarily a manufacturer, even though you kind of need manufacturer support to um, succeed when it comes to Formula One, but to have a racing name, it's like, okay, you know, some of the biggest names in the world, Penske, and then you've got Andretti, I think, anyway, so I don't think Penske's going to be interested in coming into F1 anytime soon, so Andretti, you know, yes, He's gone about it in a very bombastic, kind of boorish way where, you know, he's made it very public, and that's kind of the reason why the takeover or the deal that he was going to do with Sauber and with Finn Rousing a couple of years ago kind of fell through. So, you know, despite the boisterous publicity. Um, I feel like he could come in and succeed in F1, you know, he's got all these other operations in the world, you know, Formula E, Extreme E, he's part or, part owner of the Walkinshaw and Dreddy United Supercars team as well here, which he owns, co-owns with Zach Brown and um, Ryan Walkinshaw, um, but, you know, people will also say, well, hang on, you know, like, they're not doing very well in IndyCar at the moment, they haven't won a championship in Yonks, and, um, you know, they have the potential of, you know, not being contenders this year either, so why, you know, do they want to um, add another, you know, category to their stable when they can't even win in IndyCar, and the question, the answer to that is, exposure and money, you know, F1's doing so well at the moment globally because of the boom in America, and, you know, anyone who wants to be able to cash in, um, and everyone, sorry, wants to be able to cash in on that, um, and yes, there is the argument of, you know, the, you know, adding an 11th team is going to dilute the the prize money that's been, you know, in the last Concord, although in the latest Concord agreement has been kind of, split a lot more evenly amongst the teams and the teams are finally profiting you know the cost cap has really helped as well so you know teams like Williams and Haas who you know have had to rely on sponsorships over the years um, and you know Haas is probably the well-documented one when you when you go and watch Drive to Survive for example and see kind of the the wheeling and dealing that Gunter Stein has had to do over the years um, they're probably, you know, in in such a great place at the moment, but then adding an 11th team is going to dilute that, hence why they have that $200 million anti-dilution fee, but then the teams are like, it's not enough, it's only going to, like, cover our losses for a short term, we need something more, and there's been talk in recent days about pushing that number up to $600 million, which is absolutely ridiculous, so... I don't know what it is, if it's if it's just posturing on f one side towards the FIA, you know, because of the disagreements that they've had recently, like, a lot of people, you know, give grief to Soleim as well, I think, you know, some of it is unfair, yes, he's done some pretty stupid things, you know, if he has a good, if he thinks he has a good idea, he jumps on Twitter and, you know, kind of shares it with the world and the whole... Banning of um, you know political statements as well wasn't taken very well by a lot of people, and I certainly thought it was like a way of censorship. Considering um, you know, We races one that happened a couple of years ago again, which just feels like it's disappeared and everything. Um, but given the fact that he was appointed president at you know one of the darkest times in the history of the sport with, you know, in terms of officiating, officiating and everything Abu Dhabi after Abu Dhabi 2021, having to mop up that mess and then kind of put it, systems in place so it wouldn't happen again, um, you know, it's a, it's a big, big job to do and now he's obviously stepped back and said, you know, I'll leave the day-to-day running of that stuff to my team that I've got in place, so hopefully we see a bit more harmony between the FIA and Formula One this year. Of course, you know, if things go south and, you know, again, um, things go south and, you know, again, we have issues with, with stewarding and with with de- decisions from the race director, um, then, of course, there's going to be uh, scrutiny and controversy amongst, you know, people who are not shy to sharpen their pitchforks as soon as they see something is wrong so i hope that you know this year we can probably have a bit more of a calmer year on that front last year again i was really disappointed particularly the japanese grand prix with how several things went down there you know not only the deciding of whether max verstappen was world champion um with the point situation and whatnot but you know also pierre gasly almost getting himself killed Um, when the red flag came out, so all these things, it's just like, haven't we learned from previous years, haven't we learned what's, what's happened, you know, particularly when drivers have lost their lives, you know, Jules Bianchi, you know, need I say more, Um, and then also, you know, Spa 2021 as well, and and whatnot, when it comes to rain-affected races, so it's just like, really, you've just got to sort your stuff out and and you know make sure we have a harmonious year that's all I can ask for um and yeah with 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 Andretti and Cadillac or whatever that kind of then set up Ford to announce that they're coming in with with Red Bull for 2026 so whether they're gonna like I think I don't know what exactly they're going to be doing because Red Bull powertrains are going to be the one that um actually do the dog work on the or the leg work on the engine dog leg work, <laughs> just inventing things as I go, um, do all the donkey work on the engine, and effectively it'll be just like a short-term badging kind of, or just be a badging exercise, but still to have Ford and GM in, in, in the sport is pretty huge, considering, you know, Ford have had some pretty rubbish times in Formula One, when you look back in recent history, going back to the early 2000s with Jaguar, of course, when they own Jaguar, so, you know, that's kind of, like, what you think of, you don't even think of the successful Ford DfV engine, you know, that was rather successful through, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, and whatnot, so, yeah, that will be quite interesting to look at. Other than that, I think that's about it, really, you know, um, you know, just look forward to this weekend and the Bahrain Grand Prix. I'll be back next week to do the review for that. So I'm very much sticking to a um, review kind of format for this season, like I did last year. Would hope to have some guests on again, you know, some familiar voices and, and some new ones, hopefully. So, you know, if, if you're interested in wanting to, to come on the show, feel free to reach out, um, of course, at Twitter. Uh, at hit the apex media but then you've also got my link tree to all the other um sorry <laughs> sites and blogs and whatnot and that i'm involved in as well so thank you very much for listening today thank you for your patience of course after the other day where the episode didn't work um, and enjoy the bahrain grand Prix